This is Kristen Smith, and you're listening to the Destination Begin podcast. Hi, hi. Welcome to this week's episode of the Destination Begin podcast. Today is going to be a little bit different. I have learned a lot from all of you who have given me feedback on this podcast. Just based on your messages and your comments, I've learned most of all that I can't please everyone and that people are here for different reasons. And so when I'm struggling to figure out what should I make this week, I get a little in the weeds sometimes because I get feedback that says, I love learning about how you lost weight and I love diet and exercise tips. And other people just want to hear the stories from cult church and my history and the life lessons that I've learned. And then some people really loved when I talked about Christmas and traveling to Oregon. And some people said, I don't know why you told me about that. I didn't care. So then I'm like, well, I, you know what? I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And I'm hoping that just by being authentically me and talking about the things that matter to me and are going on, that those of you who are here um, that really resonate with what I'm doing will enjoy it. So, and sometimes an episode might not be super fun or super cool. And sometimes it might be exactly what you listen for. So I'm just going to do this week's episode a little bit different and just talk about life stuff because some of you know me personally and some of you don't have any idea (laughs) really who I am except what I've said so far on the podcast. So I guess it's an opportunity for us to get to know each other as in you get to know me and if you choose to reach out, I get to know you. But um, it's wintertime in Minnesota and well, it's wintertime everywhere Well, actually, okay. So I learned maybe a year or two ago, I learned that it's not wintertime everywhere when it's wintertime here. And while I always knew that, you know, like the earth is round and it's cold places where when it's warm here and vice versa – I didn't know that they called it winter in July, like in Australia, and they called it summer in Australia in December. I don't know what I did think, but I didn't know. And what happened is, is I saw an Instagram post from an F45 gym in Australia in like November saying, aren't you glad you got your summer beach body ready? And there was a video of people walking into the gym there in you know shorts and t-shirts and and on the beach in bikinis and I, and I was like yeah it's warm there and then I thought they actually call it summer so it's summer in Australia in December so there are people there that are like I can't wait till summer and they're they're talking about December and it blew my mind I didn't know cuz like I was homeschooled And there was a lot of data that was missing from my education. And geography was one of them. The whole topic of geography was just not discussed in homeschool. I mean, I think it might have been discussed, but it wasn't like I didn't have to really pay attention. The extent of my geography that I remember was a puzzle of the United States. 
that I would put together over and over again. And then my mom did have me memorize the capital cities of each state. So, you know, Topeka, Kansas is capital. Like, I still remember that. I'm so smart. But geography, like with the world and a globe and stuff, it didn't happen. And so I didn't really understand that, like, at Christmas, you guys, in Christmas in Australia, it's summer. I still can't get over it. So, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm digressing, but another another time that this blew my mind, geography stuff. Um, years ago, I was visiting a friend's house with my then husband, and they had just bought these giant maps of the world um, and giant maps of the United States, and they were hanging on the wall. And I have no idea why they were cool or why we were looking at them, but we were just looking at them and chatting. And all of a sudden, I noticed that Alaska was connected to Canada. And I thought, <laughs> I was like, is this a really old map? Like, how old is this map? Is this map before the tectonic plates shifted and things broke up? Uh, wait, no, that wouldn't be right. Cause the United States of America, like wouldn't have been called that. And so I'm, I was saying all of this out loud and my friends were looking at me kind of with their heads cocked, like, no. And I said, well, how did Alaska get up there connected to Canada? And they just stared at me. Like, what are you talking about? How did it get up there? I said, well, no, Alaska and Hawaii both float in the ocean south of California. That, that's where they are. And again, blank stares. They're like, no, Hawaii is not just south of California. Mexico is down there. I'm like, Mexico is connected to the United States? And um, again, just blank stares. And I just said, I'm going to stop talking. I had no idea that Alaska and Hawaii were not floating south of California because my puzzle of the United States had the Alaska puzzle piece and the Hawaii Island puzzle pieces just, just underneath California on the little board. And I didn't know that's not where they really were. N never had I connected the dots that it's cold in Alaska and it's warm in Southern California or that it took a real long time to fly to Hawaii, even though like in my head, it was just South of California. None of those things had ever occurred to me. Um, and so that day blew my mind and, and, you know, my friends, and rightly so, never let me forget. And my ex-husband, too, um, would just throw it out there like, hey, did you know that Alaska is connected to Canada? And it still blows my – it still blows my mind. I did not know. Why do we have it? Like, why is – why doesn't Canada have Alaska if it's connected to them? I feel like that's weird. It's like saying, hi, I live in this apartment – but I also own that little piece of sidewalk across the street. Like that doesn't make any sense. Corpara Yoga should own the little piece of sidewalk in front of Corpara Yoga, not me. And so I don't own that little piece. They do. But yet Canada doesn't claim Alaska. We do. How did that happen? No one told me. And these are the things that confuse me as an adult because I was homeschooled and I did. I was A, homeschooled, B, didn't pay attention in homeschool. So those two things. Anyway. That was a long digression. There are a lot of things like that that I've learned as an adult 
that I should have known a very long time ago. Can't think of any other examples. Mostly it's pop culture. Like I recently discovered Dolly Parton. I mean, obviously I knew she existed and I knew that she was a country singer with big boobs and I'd seen her and I'd heard her and stuff, but I didn't know anything about her. I didn't really know any of her music. I didn't, I had never heard her version of I Will Always Love You. I knew it was her song and I maybe had heard a little clip of it, but I mean, no. And so one of our attorneys at work sent me a list of the top podcasts. It was an article he had read and one of them was Dolly Parton's America. And I thought that sounds interesting. I saw a poster of her one time like from the 1960s or 70s and I loved the photo I saw of her. She looked so different than she looks now and just, I don't know, I just remember seeing it. And so I started listening to it on my walks and I was blown away that there's interviews with her and she is so adorable. She has this cute little laugh. She tells this story about how she was on this show with Porter Wagner and like it kind of like ended badly. And she wrote this song, I Will Always Love You, to Porter Wagner. I'm like, who's Porter Wagner? So then I had to Google him. And anyway, I'm obsessed with Dolly Parton now because everything that she said in the interviews is just my heart. She sees life and people the way that I do. And she talks about people that have wronged her the way I think of and talk about most of the people who wronged me. And she's all about love and forgiveness. And she doesn't get all political and opinionated, even though she has opinions. She just chooses to see the good in people and she chooses to have compassion and she chooses to just keep things light and fun and enjoy life. And that's how I feel, you know, life is too serious and she's really talented. And I have to stop talking about her now because I mean, I'm obsessed. Um, so I've been listening to her music though, and she has amazing songs. And I realize I'm not telling most of you anything you didn't already know, but I'm just saying, I didn't know that she was so awesome. I, what else am I missing? Who else am I missing? I'm just, I'm so in love with her. So this summer, the goal is to go to Dollywood and see Dollywood because it's all about her. And I want to know all the things and I want to see the little mock-up of her Tennessee home. And I just, I, I kind of, I'm obsessed with her. So I had caught up on a lot of pop culture I have caught up in a lot of pop culture, but more like more modern pop culture, things that I missed from my generation, generation. Like I did some research on Madonna and listened to some of her music and Michael Jackson and Prince and of course boy bands and boy bands and Britney Spears were popular when I was first married, but my husband didn't let me listen to secular music either. He was, you know, I don't know if it came out in the podcast when I talked about my relationship with him, but he was very conservative, kind of religious as well. And so he, or I guess he wasn't as religious as much as I was going to cult church and he was very quick to point out my hypocrisy if I did anything that was against cult church. And so he was like, if you're going to go to that church, 
you have to follow their rules. And so I wasn't allowed to listen to Britney Spears or the Backstreet Boys. So it's kind of funny. Like I left my mom's house because she didn't let me do that stuff. And then my husband didn't let me do that stuff. So <laughs> I made really brilliant. But eventually I defied all of the people and I loved the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears. She's my favorite. I love her so much. She's so pretty. I don't know if you guys have ever watched music videos with Britney Spears, but she is just gorgeous. Anyway, um, so I caught up on modern pop culture, and I dated a guy for about five years after my divorce who was super invested in catching me up on lots of different things, and that was really fun. So he would download, and we would watch 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club and Back to the Future and Goonies, and a lot of movies that I missed out on. And what I learned in watching those when it you know, was 15, 20 years after they, those things were popular is that some of those movies are great now and like they were good then, and some just don't have the magic. Like Goonies. I have a lot of friends who talk so glowingly about the movie Goonies and with such nostalgia and they love it. I watched it and I was confused why anybody thought it was a good movie because watching it as a whatever 30-ish year old woman, it doesn't mean the same thing as if I had seen it when I was a teenager or whenever it came out. And so there are a lot of, there are a lot of things in pop culture. I, that was kind of the takeaway was some things are timelessly great, and some things are great in memory because of the time in your life when you found it. And I found that that was, must have been the case with some things. But you know who is timelessly awesome is Prince and Michael Jackson and the Backstreet Boys <laughs> and NSYNC and Britney Spears. Um, and now Dolly Parton. So I love her. My Dollywood pilgrimage is going to be documented heavily. So anyway, so those are some things that I have learned since coming out of the bubble that was my childhood. So recently I was in Miami because it's winter here. And Miami is my favorite place to go. Um, let me think if it's my favorite place ever, just my favorite place in the winter. I don't know. I tend to make sweeping statements. I think it's my favorite place in the winter for sure. But anyway, it's epic. And I've only been there twice. And last year is the first time I ever went. But when I landed there last weekend and I walked outside and the air hit my face the thought that hit my brain was, I'm home. And it immediately gave me pause. I thought, okay, I have been here twice. And I've lived in Minnesota for my entire life. How is that thought happening? But I went to Miami last year at a time when my life was really, really crazy um, in a state of flux. I booked a trip there because I had just come home from Mexico on vacation and we had had so much snow while I was gone in Mexico and it was plowed up. So 
it was, I don't know, four feet tall snowdrifts blocking the sidewalk that I had to climb over in tennis shoes and pull suitcases through. And so I went immediately into the house, got on my computer and looked up what is the warmest place in the United States right now (laughs) and Miami, Florida. And Sun Country flies to Miami, Florida for around $50 to $60 each way. So I immediately booked a trip to get right back out of Dodge. And so that's the only reason I chose Miami last year. And I went to get away and think and make some really big life decisions. And I did make really big life decisions there. And so I think that's why it just feels so special. And 80 degrees just feels special. (laughs) So I went to Miami and I had to work because I can work remotely. So I brought my work, but I really went to just spend time in the sun and I ran the Miami half marathon, which was amazing. So I haven't run a long distance race since the twin cities marathon back in October. And I had my, um, stomach surgery in November. I had a tummy tuck with abdominal repair and it was like total circumference. Um, so all the way around my back. And so the recovery from that was long and I didn't start really moving again for about five weeks after surgery. And then it was just walking. And then I was able to run a little bit, four or five miles at a time, but certainly not trained up for a half marathon. But when I booked my trip to Miami, I happened to see an ad that the Miami half marathon and marathon were happening the day after I was supposed to arrive. And I thought, oh my gosh, that would be so fun to run a half marathon in a different place. And I checked out the route and the marathon route went on roads and across bridges that normally you can't run on. They're too narrow and they're, you know, highways. Cause I've run in Miami and I love running in Miami, but I've just run along the ocean on the boardwalk. I haven't been able to really explore on a run because they're busy roads and bridges, but not. So I modified my flight and my hotel so I could get there in time to go to the expo and pick up my packet and run the half marathon. And so the week before that I was supposed to go, I got the flu. So I did not get my long training run and I needed to run a 10 miler to feel good about a half marathon, but I didn't get to do it. So my intention with the half marathon in Miami was just, just do it. I could always run, walk it and finish. And so I just assumed it would be kind of a bad run as far as results go. But um, the nice thing was the race start was at 6 a.m. And so it was kind of chilly, like upper 60s. And so we got done before it got super hot. So because I had a flu cough hanging on and it was humid, I was like, well, I'm just going to go out slow and just enjoy myself. And the great part about that is my quote unquote slow is faster than my old pace, just because I think having all of that time off from surgery, I, I feel like my body's performing better. So anyway, long story short, about mile nine, I realized that my pace was really good 
and I had a lot of energy left. And so I kind of cranked it and I thought, I think I can PR my half marathon time. And so I did just by a little bit, like a minute. But that felt really good. And the course was beautiful, crossed over the, the bay. And I just, I spent the whole time looking around grinning like an idiot. Like, wow, there is the bay with cruise ships and sailboats. And then we ran along South Beach in front of all of the amazing Art Deco hotels and you could see the ocean and and my favorite Starbucks and Versace's mansion. And it was amazing. And then we ran along through Coconut Grove and along a golf course and then over the Venetian Causeway, which was beautiful bridge again, back over the bay and then around downtown and finished near the start by American Airlines Arena. And it was a beautiful finish line that was really well managed. It was just idyllic. And I'm so glad that I modified my trip so I could have that experience. The It was just an amazing race. I loved it so much. So I did that. And then I spent the week working, spreadsheeting, um, and then enjoying time by the beach. I ran a lot, rented a bike every day and biked over to the F45 down there. The F45 in Miami is awesome. The trainers are amazing. The members are really welcoming and awesome. And I, so I got an F45 workout every day down there. It was really great. And so it was kind of a fitcation and I really enjoyed it. And my podcast that I had published before I went was all about vacation eating and having a strategy for vacation. And so I did that and I was really happy that I kind of set up my vacation meal plan because it made it easy and it made it enjoyable. And I I haven't had a trip where my exercise and eating all lined up so well to where I felt that good. Usually there's something that kind of comes up or there's some kind of food I eat that makes me sick or I indulge in something. I get sick off of food pretty easily because I'm sensitive to sugar. And so this was the first time I did that. None of that happened. And it was just really reinforced to me that deprivation is a two-way street. And I say that all the time, but to say no to something that's really delicious, yeah, you deprive yourself of the flavor of that. But if I had eaten those really delicious things, I would have been so sick. And so I chose to deprive myself of the sweet thing and also being sick on vacation. So two sides to every coin. But fitting along with that topic, before I went to Miami, I kind of had it in my head that this was going to be the first time that I was going to do something really cool at the beach, which is to walk around at the beach, on the beach, in a bikini. And I've been to the beach since I've lost weight. And I've worn a bikini top with like workout pants or board shorts, but never a full-on bikini. And so I had my last skin removal surgery in November, which I'm going to do a whole episode on skin removal surgeries because I've had so many questions. So I'm not going to get into detail here, but I had my last surgery in November. And so as I was recovering from that, my goal was kind of thinking, well, I'm a recovery time. 
and then I have time to kind of work out and get back to where I was before. Hopefully the swelling is down. And when I go to Miami in February, I should be able to wear a bikini on the beach without skin hanging everywhere. And so my goal was that. And so I bought a bikini, bought two bikinis, and it was really, really exciting to put it on and have it just fit my body and not have to hide skin. So it was awesome to even buy them. But I was still a little nervous about the beach part because I knew that I could wear a beach cover-up and go run to a towel and lay down and not move and nobody would be looking at me. But the idea was I just want to feel free to just walk around with my feet in the water and maybe even get in the water. And this is something I legit have never done in my entire life. When I was a kid, we had some swimming lessons at the community center and when I was really little and I had a swimsuit. But as soon as the swimsuit got too small for me, that was it. We didn't swim anymore and we didn't believe in mixed bathing. And so if I ever went to a pool ever, I had to wear like whole outfits. And then when I was really overweight, I had some swimsuits, the ones with like the skirts on them because I was so heavy and, you know, obviously wanted to cover all that up. So to wear a bikini, it was never my goal when I started losing weight. It was never my goal when I had skin removal surgery. It like a bikini body or the idea of like, I want to wear a bikini never occurred to me. It just wasn't something. It was more about, I want to be able to move freely without the stuff in my way. So I went to the beach. It was the second to the last day that I was there. And I'm like, all right, it's time to do this. And so wore my bikini. I wore a cover-up. I walked. I put my towel down. I shyly and quickly like got on my towel. And then I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to see any of these people here ever again for the rest of my life. And I want to walk around and just feel the air on my skin and feel the sun on my skin. And so I did. (sighs) And it was the greatest. I just... I immediately just stopped caring about who was around. It didn't even occur to me ever again. I didn't care. I was like really rejoicing in how my body felt and how I felt just with literally the air on your skin, the sun on your skin in ways I have never experienced. It was so awesome. And so thinking back to all those nights where like, you know, nighttime eating is my biggest struggle. All those nights of looking in my cupboard and seeing all kinds of foods and wanting to eat and wanting to break all my food rules, I thought ahead and visualized that moment of wearing my bikini on the beach. And I wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel like I had shown up in my life and I was wearing a bikini and I looked as good as I possibly could look on that day. And so I would shut the cupboard and I would go to bed or I'd shut the cupboard and I'd do something else. And so standing there on the beach, like living out what I had been visualizing just made me so happy. It's, it was so worth it. Depriving myself of those moments of comfort with food gave me the gift of being able to stand there confidently without feeling like I hadn't done everything that I could have done. And that's not important to everyone, but it's important to me. And I don't want any of these moments to be cheapened by weakness and inability to simply deprive myself of things I don't need. I want to deprive myself of all the stupid stuff that I don't need based on a craving and emotion and actually achieve the things that matter to me. And standing on the beach in a bikini with the wind and the sun on my skin mattered to me. And I got to experience it, you guys. 
It was so cool. And that may be completely foreign idea too. Like if you've been wearing a bikini your whole life and you're like, yeah, it's cool. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I, I can't tell you <laughs> what it's like. I mean, I don't want to over sensationalize it, but if you imagine maybe that you could never walk and then you could walk, I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's not a small thing, really, really powerful. And so you know, it all just wraps up into this whole conversation about food and what do you want and how are you going to get there and that you do have to say no sometimes in order to have what you want later. And it's hard in the moment. It's hard for me and I've been doing this a really long time, but it's always worth it. I wasn't like in that bikini on the beach going, eh, this isn't as cool as that like granola bar would have tasted at 10 o'clock that night. No, I was like, I'm so glad the granola bar died an awful death in the garbage can and I'm standing here without the granola bar showing up on my belly. So deprivation, two-way street. And I got to enjoy that. And that was a big highlight of my life. And then I became super obnoxious. And instead of ever feeling shy again, I was like running around and kicking my feet in the surf and taking all kinds of selfies and like, yeah, I'm in a bikini on the beach. And I became that annoying person that everyone hates and I don't care because I earned it. So all the haters, yeah, haters gonna hate. I think Taylor Swift said that. I love some Taylor Swift. So coming back from Miami, it was really cold. And I was doing 75 hard again. And when I got home, I got super distracted with lots of stuff right away out of the gate, getting back home. And I forgot to take my progress picture, which is you're required to take a progress picture every day. And I forgot. So that means I had to start over. So instead of starting over with 75 hard, I decided to start over and do phase one, which I had said I would never do phase one because phase one is meant to be done after 75 hard. It's a 30-day program. And you do everything that you did on 75 hard, same requirements, which is an indoor 45-minute workout, an outdoor 45-minute workout, drinking a gallon of water, taking a progress picture, reading 10 pages of personal development book, and no alcohol, and sticking to a diet with no cheat meals. So all of that, plus phase one is 30 days of all of that, plus a five-minute cold shower, 10 minutes of active mental visualization, three additional tasks every day that move you forward in the goals in your life, a five-minute cold shower, um, hell's to the no. I said I would never do phase one because I see no merit in standing in cold water for five minutes. Just to prove that I can do something hard, it's just the stupidest thing. It, I still maintain it's the stupidest thing. But once I screwed up on 75 hard, I was like, well, maybe I should do phase one because it's only 30 days and I really want to do hard things. I like to do things that suck. So I was already having to go for a walk outside in really cold temperatures after having enjoyed Miami for eight days. I'm like, well, what's five minutes in the cold water? (laughs) But I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to complain about it because no one's forcing me to do this. So I'm going to do it. I don't have to say I love it, but I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to do it and just be like, whatever. I do hard things. It's not going to kill me. 
But I did post on my Instagram that I was doing this. And I have a friend on Instagram, Suki. She's super cool. And I think she's in Canada, coincidentally, which is connected to Alaska. And she sent me some encouragement that it wasn't going to be so terrible to take a five-minute cold shower. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm going to video it. I'm going to send it to you. And I'm going to show you how awful this is going to be. And so I did. And that kind of made it fun and funny to do it the first time. But you guys, it hurts. It hurts so bad. I mean, if you do it right, if you do it with the intention that you're supposed to be doing it, which is to suffer, it hurts really bad. I almost cry. Every time I almost cry. And the whole time I'm just, I'm dying to get out. And so, so Randy is doing phase one too. I, he's the guy that was on the 75 hard episode, if you remember. And so he's doing phase one too. So he's doing the cold showers. And it's so funny because I think that we're both following the intent of the program completely, but our approaches are completely different. So he gets in the shower and he turns it as cold as he can and continues to turn it colder and colder as the five minutes go by to make it as horrible and awful and terrible as possible so that he suffers to the fullest extent of suffering. And I'm like, yeah, um, okay. (laughs) That is not how I operate. Um, I feel like life often puts us in horrible situations, which I think that's what the whole point of this phase one thing is to say, life is not always going to be pleasant. And if you can endure hard stuff on purpose, when hard stuff comes along that you can't control, like you know what it feels like to suffer and endure anyway. And so when my life turns to crap, I always look for a way to enjoy something or make it like turn it around and say, no, I'm still going to enjoy this or I'm still going to love X or like, I don't just let life suck me dry. I just don't. I always, always fight and fight to find something good. The silver lining. It's my superpower. Well, it's actually, I always say that it's not my superpower. I've practiced this. It's become, um, just part of how I operate and it's not always easy and I don't always want to do it, but that's just, that's the only way I know to get through hard crap is to find a way to make it pleasant. And so Suki said that she has a dance party when she does her five-minute cold shower. And so what I do, I get it super cold and so cold that it hurts my skin. And then I practice um, booty popping because I'm really bad at it because, you know, again, homeschooled, no access to real music, used to be really overweight. I don't know how to pop my booty. And so I practice that because, you know, what else do I have to do? And that's using the time productively. Um, I sing. I dance a little bit. Um, I do make myself have the cold water hit my underarms regularly because that's the worst part. And I feel like that meets the intent. Like I do need to suffer like really hard. But um, I practice that stuff. I do my ab vacuum twists. Um, I practice standing on my heels without my toes touching. Um I do all kinds of things. I see how long I can hold tree pose in the water. And I just, I don't know. I just try to make it really fun and silly and stupid. And um, I will try to recite the alphabet backwards. I'm learning Spanish right now. So I practice my Spanish words. And I just kind of like flip my flip at the bird and be like, you know what? This sucks, but I am going to make it less sucky. I'm going to find a way to endure this happily. And so that's what I do. And it doesn't make it any go any faster, really. 
But it's kind of my way of saying like, yeah, this is how I do hard things all the time. I make it fun and I use the time to do something else and be silly and where no one's going to see me. So that's what I do. <laughs> if you have to do really hard things, I suggest it. I am not a masochist and I, I can endure it, but it doesn't have to be drudgery. So phase one, it's going well. I also tweaked my diet. Um, I had been doing, focusing on protein first, which I'm still doing, and then focusing next on fat and then eating minimal carbs. But when I was in Miami, part of my food plan was I was allowed to have fruit and oatmeal because I knew that I'd be working out a lot and it'd be hot and the fruit down there is better than the fruit here. And I just, that, that's kind of my happy food on vacation. Still really healthy and good for me, but not as strict as at home. And what I found is that I felt amazing and invincible and had so much more energy eating oatmeal every day and berries and watermelon. And so I thought, you know what? I am very active. I work out twice a day every day and I work out really hard most of the time. And I felt so good eating that kind of carb. So I added it back in and I decided to reduce the fat and eat more fruit and oatmeal every day. And I feel amazing. You guys, it's just, I don't know that it's the be all end all and it might like change, but the lesson to me is to be open to changing things up. I mean, I'm not eating Snicker bars and M&Ms as my carbs. I'm eating natural fruits and and oats. But I never used to give myself permission to eat oats every day. But I don't know. They just give me life. They're amazing. And, you know, our bodies are made up of proteins and lipids and carbs. So it makes sense that carbs would make me feel good. But I used to just get all my carbs from veggies. And now I'm just getting it from veggies and fruit and oatmeal. And it feels really good. So another fun thing that's going on is I started hosting workshops around the Twin Cities area to talk about overcoming binge eating and talking about overcoming food addiction and bad food behaviors. And it's so much fun, you guys. I've had three now. And just to stand up in front of people and explain the never binge again idea and help people write food rules and just talk about what's going on in our brains when it comes to cravings. It's just been so awesome for me to learn from the people who are coming to these workshops. I'm there to teach and help, but I'm learning more, I think, than I'm able to give out. It's just really rewarding. And so the first one that I had was at my OG CrossFit gym in Woodbury. They were so nice to, to let me come in there and host a workshop and whole bunch of my friends and people I used to work out with there came. And we just talked about never binging again and overcoming these foods that we tend to overeat on the couch or our behaviors of eating at night or our behaviors of not being able to put down the peanut butter jar while we're watching TV and talked about how we can really write great rules around these behaviors so that they stop controlling us and stop putting us in this shame blanket. And, um, it was really, really great. We had a great turnout. We had a really great conversation. And I learned a lot. You know, when you stand up in front of people and you have an idea of what you want to talk about, it never goes exactly the way that you think, which is 
really interesting. And so to take that experience, learn from it, tweak things. And then this past weekend, I had two more. I had another one at a gym, and then I had another one just at a coffee shop that I just promoted online. And great turnout, great conversations. And to just be in a room of people talking about these convenience process foods that we get stuck on and to see the emotion that goes through the room, people relating and laughing and going, oh my gosh, I love, oh, I love Snickers and I love peanut butter and I love chocolate chips and oh my goodness, that sounds so good. And to hear the emotions that come out just thinking about these foods, knowing that these foods play on your emotions. It's just so reaffirming to say, yeah, these foods are engineered and designed to to make those emotional reactions happen. And then to just see it happen over and over, it's it's just, again, reaffirming that we don't have to be victims to our emotions with food. It's engineered to do this to us and we fall for it and we don't have to live that way anymore. So it was really cool to really talk about setting up these food rules, setting up food plans. We had some younger women there and, and the main sentiment is, you know, I got to live another 50 years. I don't want to fight and battle food the rest of my life. I don't want to be in a diet the rest of my life. I don't want to be fighting 10 pounds on my body the rest of my life. I just want to make a plan for my life and follow it. And that's what I've done the past couple of years, and it's been so freeing. And it's just really, really exciting to be able to teach that to other people. And so I'm really, really lit up and pumped up about doing those workshops. So so that's really what's been going on in my little world, um, kind of in a long nutshell. <laughs> uh, I've got some really great episodes planned for the podcast coming up. I'm going to be doing an episode about weight loss surgery, be doing an episode about the plastic surgeries that I had after losing weight and having a lot of excess skin to contend with. And um, also an episode to talk about what happens when our friends and family are not supportive of healthy lifestyles. Um, I know a lot of people who went vegan this year and the response from their families and friends and people in their lives, um, it can be really jarring when people are not supportive. Um, my friends who are keto also, they get a lot of flack from friends and family. All of a sudden, everyone's concerned about your health when you're following a particular plan. And I maintain it's it's pretty funny when you're eating pizza and Mountain Dew and overweight, people don't say anything. Typically, no one comes and says, wow, I can't believe you're eating that. You're ridiculous. But when you're trying to eat plant-based or you're trying to eat keto or you're trying to follow something specific, people all of a sudden come out of the woodwork to make their comments. And it can be hard to contend with. So we'll be talking about that in an upcoming episode too. So stay tuned for those. So thanks for joining me on this rambling edition of my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, I love it when you share my podcast. It makes me so happy to see your shares on social media or um, when I hear that you sent it to a friend. It really, 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 really matters to me. I do this podcast for the intent that it would entertain you, inform you, educate you, lift you up, motivate you. And the only thing I get back is responses saying that it did one of those things for you. That's my currency. Um, I've also made $12. So let's not under understate that. (laughs) So please share. 
share in any way that you feel and um, leave reviews and leave feedback. It just means a lot to me. So thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.